Welcome to the Fashion Alumni Podcast, the place where successful fashion professionals share their career journeys to inspire your success. I'm your host, Dr. Melissa Manuel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fashion Alumni Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Lisa Pongrass. She's the founder and owner of Canvas and Hide. This is a luxury, handcrafted, and sustainable leather handbag company made in the USA and Italy. And when I tell you these bags are gorgeous, I mean, they are absolutely gorgeous. And Lisa is going to tell us more about herself and her business, Canvas and Hide, today. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Melissa, so much. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm excited to to get into it. Me too. I'm just, can I just tell you when I uh, yeah. visited your website, I think I cried a little. Just <laughs> <laughs> I've I, had a lot of reactions, but never someone who's yes, cried. That's I, great. Happy tears, happy tears. I was like, oh my goodness, these are so beautiful. You know, your bags are uh, very elegant yet classic and each one of them seems to be very unique but timeless oh, yeah thank you for saying that i i never get tired of, of people saying they like what we're doing it's um it's such a wonderful reinforcement to hear that thank you yes it seems like each one of the bags can become like a dear friend over time. You know, like <laughs> that perfect pair of jeans, the more it's worn and taken care of properly, the better it becomes. I can just, yeah. I can just tell. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually, that's really one of the things I wanted to do in designing the range is have bags that last for years and years and years that you don't throw away after a couple of seasons and bags that you pass on to your kids or um, keep in your wardrobe for a decade and they're yes. still still wearable and in fashion um, down the line. I love that. So thank you for picking that up. You're very welcome. And I read in your Instagram profile that you refer to the canvas and high bag as the anti-it bag. Tell us, <laughs> tell us what that means. Look, I um, before I even started the business, um, I have had a penchant for handbags my whole life. I've loved them. And I have to say, I did fall into the trap of being, oh, I guess, swayed by a bag that's current by a, a big designer and is the it bag and having to buy it. And what I found was I loved it at the time and everyone had it, but it lost its its appeal rapidly because the next season that brand would come out with the newest and the greatest and they're expensive. I mean, the it bags for luxury designers are not cheap. You're looking at 2000 plus. Definitely. And that's for me, that's the money I want to spend on an investment purchase of something that will last forever. And look, there are companies when you're buying a, an Hermes bag, for example, it is timeless and it will last forever. And it's one of the companies that I just think is amazing. Right. Um, yeah. Quality. Quality is everything. 
Absolutely. I would agree with you 100%. So I want to hear more about your career journey. Were you always interested in becoming a handbag designer? <laughs> nope. I, I've always loved handbags, but never thought that I would have a business designing them and manufacturing them ever. Never in my wildest dreams. It came about um, in 2016 when I found myself suddenly a, a single mom and I needed the, the, needed to find a way to stay in America, in fact. Mm-hmm. And I came up with a business. I'd never, I'd never run a business before or started a business and I Googled how to, how to write a business plan. I wrote a 56-page business plan and took it to – immigration in Australia, which is where I'm from. Yes. And they they loved it. They loved the ideas. They loved the name. And they gave me four years and they said, knock yourself out, go start your business. And I did. Wow. And uh, it's just been a journey of learning from day one because when I tell you I didn't know anything about running a business, I honestly didn't know the first thing about running a business. I don't have a business degree. I did not study fashion in college. I didn't know anything about it, but I, I kind of stupidly thought, how, how difficult can it be? Right. <laughs> hey, I, I could do this. Like, you know, yeah. but, but isn't that how most things work? We are confident in something mm-hmm. that we feel like we can do. And uh, I heard someone say everything. I think it was uh, Marie Forleo. She has a book called Everything is Figure Outable. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Everything is figureoutable. So you figured this thing out. Tell us how the startup process went for you. Well, originally, originally my idea was that I, I could never understand why pure luxury in the world of handbags really fell back to Italy and France. When you think of all the really great luxury labels, mm-hmm. uh, you think Chanel, Fendi, Bottega Veneta, um, Balenciaga, Hermes, Dior, yes. they're all French or Italian I, or, or Spanish Lueve, for example. Mm-hmm. I, couldn't, I couldn't really work out why when you think of beautiful handbags, really American manufacturers like Tommy Hilfiger or Donna Karen um, or Michael Kors are really the top echelon, but they're not super luxury right like Hermes I mean you can't compare Michael Kors to Hermes really um and I guess all of the the big American ones ended up going offshore and making in China and Vietnam so I wanted to make in America I wanted it to be an American brand of absolute quality so that was the dream actually and I started doing that and now 40 percent of our bags are still made here but we realize why everything was lost because we just don't have the manufacturing capabilities at the right cost right. in America anymore. I was just um, about to ask you about yeah. that because a lot of designers yeah. choose not to manufacture in the U.S. because of the increased manufacturing cost. So yes. was the cost of production a consideration for you? Look, it was. Uh, I actually did look at um, Asia in the beginning, but their their quantities were just too high. They they 
priced really well, but they want you to make 300 per color per style. And unless you've got a massive amount of capital to start your business, you really, you really shouldn't be doing that sort of thing that's jumping way in the deep end. So making a smaller run of products in America was easier, even though it was more expensive. So the only way I could see that I could do that was to make the best, absolutely the best quality. Then people don't mind paying a little more for something that's they can feel and touch and see the quality in. Right. I yeah. I truly agree about <sighs> that. And how did you decide to design leather handbags? What was your thought process? You said, you know, you went to immigration, you had your business plan in hand, and you said, this is what I want to do. Why leather handbags? You mean as opposed to candles or you mean as opposed to maybe vinyl or pleather or vegan leather? Well, what I'm asking is versus a garment or accessories. Why did you choose leather handbags? The passion for me has always been um, handbags, not necessarily apparel or clothing. One thing I did know, uh, and this is just something that I – knew I don't even know how I knew it but I knew that if you design a line of apparel Mm -hmm. you have to have um many different sample ranges because they do you know summer winter spring autumn you're doing cruise lines and so you need a lot more working capital I think to be able to get the right ranges ready for the different seasons I would agree well i yeah, so I, I knew I didn't have a lot of capital to start and I also wanted my bags to be timeless so that the bag I designed today, I can still be selling into stores for whatever season they want it for in five years. Yes. So, yeah, so the, I mean that was that was a consideration and I don't even know handbags because I love them. Mm-hmm. I love them. I'm fascinated by them. I will say to you that I am a – bagaholic myself (laughs) not an alcoholic a bagaholic my mother told me that my aunt had a red handbag and when I saw that red handbag that was the first time I started walking a what yes (laughs) you were walking towards the handbag yes and I have loved bags ever since I have designer bags I have Bags I bought from the thrift store, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I just I just yeah. love I love bags, but I love the ones that have personality, that have sure. texture and that can go with anything, which is why Canvas and Hyde really, really stands out for me. And for people who yeah. don't know, you're welcome. And for people who don't know what Canvas means, what Hyde means. Can you mm-hmm. give them just a yeah. brief so, insight look, it, there? It, it sounds like what the name is, Canvas and Hyde, using because I use linens and then I use hides, leathers. But really what happened when I was thinking of a name, it was the blank canvas of my new life mm. and the Jekyll and Hyde duality of human nature because something terrible had happened personally for my husband and I, and mm-hmm. you know we were we were ripped off a la Madoff um, by someone we knew very very well, and oh, wow. I just I was fascinated and couldn't believe that someone I'd known since I was twenty mm-hmm. could do this to us. So yeah, it was 
And it, the name just, just seemed to stick. You know, it's funny, you, you go online and you type in all these things because you want to choose a name for your business that no one's thought of before. And I think I had 20 on the short list and then Canvas and Hyde, just, it just stuck. I just loved it. And I loved the duality of the name. Yes, it's a beautiful name and it's memorable. It's Thank memorable, you. definitely. You mentioned before that when you were young, you walked towards the red handbag and I'm sure the, the color played a role. But there's something so personal about a handbag. When you think about it, I was the other day I was just thinking, why is it that I love when someone buys one of our bags? I feel like they've allowed us to to go into their home or to be a part of their lives. Yes. And I guess when you think about it, a woman wears a handbag and she fills it with things she needs, things she loves, things she wants, and she carries it very close to her. Absolutely. So I Yes, in a way, for me, it's a clothes are personal too, but there's something about a bag that's really lovely and personal. Yes, so it's a pleasure for me to do this. I love it. It's like a it's like a close friend, you know. Sure, yeah, <laughs> especially when it's with you so long, and I'm just I'm in awe of what you're doing. Yeah. Now yeah. I know that you have a furry partner named Quincy. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> and it seems he seems to be a very intricate part of your team. So tell us about his role uh-huh. and the value he brings to Canvas and Hyde. Well, I love working. Um, we manufacture in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. And my office is at the end of our factory, um, which is where my manufacturer actually makes all of the bags. And our women are in there sewing every day. And, and so it's very hands-on. I love the fact that I feel I'm really part of it. I'm not sitting in an office somewhere glamorously. I'm actually part of, of these women's lives yes. and my manufacturer's life. And so is my dog. And he comes in. I, I love being able to go to work and take my dog every day. Yes. It's, he is so he gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. He comes on photo shoots with us. He uh, he sits in my office. He barks whenever anyone comes in. So he's like a good watchdog. <laughs> right. He's, he's very sweet. He um, yeah. He he's he's my best friend. So he uh, he comes along. That is awesome. So can you walk us through what it takes to start from an original concept to the finished product? I know you said that you are right in the mix there and you're working with the team and working mm-hmm. with everybody that has hands-on. Can you tell us what the process is? Absolutely. It's um. So I don't have a formal education in designing handbags. So I, I didn't learn pattern making or anything like that. So really that was quite challenging for me and I'm a terrible drawer. So trying to draw something that's in my head is really challenging. Right, right. But but when I so when I travel or when I'm in the shower or there are certain times I can it's so funny, Melissa, I can see the bag that I want to create. Mm. And then the interesting part then is for me to somehow put that down on paper or into words to explain it to my manufacturer and then he'll sort of start doing a mock-up. And what I've found works best for me is I get some cardboard or I get old leather scraps that I have Mm -hmm. and I 
I physically cut it out and I make it and I'll make it with staples and paper and like like some silly craft project that you do at school. Yeah. And then I'll say this is the size and it it works really well because with for example the day tote that I have mm-hmm. that was the second bag after the weekender that we designed and I knew the size I wanted but I didn't obviously know that it was you know, 15 inches across. So I just made it. I made it in cardboard and I put it over my shoulder and said, right, no, that's too big, need it smaller, and just kept doing it that way. And um, that seems to be how I've done it. And then my manufacturer obviously does a sample and then he'll put make a pattern and then we get the dyes made in Chelsea in New York. And then once you've got the dyes, then you're ready to go. You mentioned that Sustainability yeah. is very important to it your is. business model. Talk to us about that and why it's so important to you. So I've struggled with this. I've struggled with the idea of the fact that I use leather. You know, you have a lot of people now who are shying away from buying leather who are vegans and they don't like the fact that we um, use animal products. So I've researched quite extensively now what pleather, which is vinyl, which is vegan leather, mm-hmm. which is also PVC, and the effects that that has on the env- environment and how that breaks down and then what happens to that over years and years and years. And in fact, leather, leather wears better. It is a byproduct of another industry. So in fact, we're using the totality of the animal, which I think is better. Um, look, I think that there's always excess and that's something that as as a planet we need to address. We need to cut down on, on the amount that we use. But that's my whole premise with this business, that is buy once and buy well. Yes. I think as consumers we've got into this habit of having the latest and the greatest every season where I think if you buy something that is beautifully handcrafted and lasts a lifetime – you don't need to buy one every year or every season. And I think I, I think that there's a shift. I'm hoping that after this COVID-19, there will be a shift back to maybe buying local, supporting small business, and really thinking about what we're buying. You know, we and price point has I think as consumers, we've just we always wait for the sales. We're always trying to look for a cheaper option. Right. And that's why manufacturers and big companies have had to go offshore to bring a cheaper product to the consumer because the consumer wants so much of it. I think, um, look, it's, it's a dream, but I hope that maybe we'll be a little bit more enlightened to buy quality over quantity. Yes, indeed. And you mentioned before when we were, when we were talking that online sales have gone down since we've been in this pandemic. Can you talk they to us? Me. They have for me, but I don't think, not for everyone. I've got friends in the business and they are just having a great time selling a lot of stuff. I know that you sell your your products online, but you also sell in boutiques nationwide. I do. Yeah. And I love I love that. That's a whole different, I mean, definitely if you're talking to students or people wanting to start a business, that's a whole different type of business that's wholesaling. And it's 
more challenging because your margins are reduced, mm-hmm. but it's more rewarding because you get to deal with such great little businesses. And I found that I've just made the most incredible friendships with people who have small retail outlets across America and look, mostly women, mostly women. And they've yes. been so supportive of me from the beginning. And I love that, that we're all kind of women in it together. Right. So they support me, I support them. And I was in, before this happened, we were in 23 stores and it just everyone was a delight. I mm-hmm. loved everyone that I dealt with. But I feel feel quite bad that quite a few of them have been struggling. So a few of them have closed down very sadly. Well, we are hoping that this, um, this passes or subsides in such a way that business can resume. It may not be like we have done business in the past, but I believe that we're smart, we're sharp, you know, and just like you pivoted before, <laughs> you will pivot again and, and find out ways to accommodate and serve your your clientele, your customer, your consumer in more ways, ways that they may not have even considered. Have mm-hmm. you considered making anything other than leather handbags? Do you know I have? I've been lately. Um, I've been thinking I want to make. I want to make a bag that carries other little bags. So, so every supermarket now is doing away with plastic bags, and you're meant to um, carry around your reusable bags for your groceries. And what I find living in New York or Dumbo, which is where I live, that often I'll go and do a grocery shop either on the way home from work or sometime and I'm, I'm caught without these bags. Mm-hmm. So I would love to design a, a bit of a, I don't know, maybe a, a crossbody that's super casual that has a pocket that has the bags in it that you carry with you all the time. Yes. So that you, so that you never forget because I'm constantly saying, Oh, I forgot my bag. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'm thinking of a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. I say yes to that and I will be and I will be <laughs> on the list to get one of those because especially when I go to a store like Aldi and you have to purchase the bags and I'm like, oh, oh. my goodness, I forgot. <laughs> I know. I it's forgot funny because bags. I used to save all of those plastic bags mm-hmm. and I would save them and use them either to carry toiletries when I traveled or to put my shampoo in or right. I I use them a lot. And now that there are no plastic bags anymore, I miss them. I know right. we shouldn't have them. So it's good. It's good for the environment. It definitely is good for the environment. I just, yeah. I have enjoyed this conversation with you. Um, please don't tell me it's over. No, yeah. it, it's not over <laughs> just yet. But I was going to say, I have enjoyed this conversation about uh, pivoting about your company in general, but I want to ask you very specifically, how did you pivot into handbags? I know you said that you don't have a fashion background per se. How did you pivot first? And then how would you, how would you describe to someone else mm-hmm. the signs that they need to start thinking about pivoting? So I think the signs will come to you. I mean, a lot of 
Look, it's a, a difficult question to answer right now when unemployment seems to be hovering around the 15%. So yes. most people will be just grateful to have a job. So they won't see that they're unhappy in a job or they'll just keep a job that they're unhappy in because it's paying the bills. Right. But, but before COVID-19, I think there were a lot of people working in jobs they didn't enjoy. And if you're at a position in your life where this is probably your last hurrah, like I was mm-hmm. and am, um, I, I don't think I'm going to have the luxury to have a few more careers. This this is probably it. I wanted to do something. I wanted to do something, A, that I loved and B, that I thought I could make a difference in and something that I – when you love what you do, you're really not working. Yes. And when I started Canvas and Hide, I literally worked seven days a week I won't say 24 hours a day because I had to sleep, mm-hmm. but dealing with everything. When you run your own business, you wear every hat. Yes. And if you don't know how to do it, the quote that you just told me before, you, you learn how to do it. And if you can't learn, then you realize that you have to outsource it to someone else who can do it better than you can. Yes, it's um, figureoutable. <laughs> it's figureoutable. Yes. Figureoutable. Outable. That's <laughs> totally. it. <laughs> totally. Got it right. Um, and look, I remember there was a time when I had my first shipment coming in from Italy. Mm-hmm. And I'd never, first of all, I made so many errors. I didn't know that I needed a fish and wildlife license to bring bags using various skins into the country. Oh. I just didn't. I didn't know that. So I had um, DHL were bringing in a big shipment of bags and they called me, customs called me and says, what's your fish and wildlife license number? And I said, excuse me, what? <laughs> I, hello? Right. And they said, yep, you need a license. And I was devastated because holding this shipment up would have meant, A, I had to pay for it and B, I couldn't get it into store in time. Right. So I rang Fish and Wildlife and I – Thank goodness I got a really lovely woman at the end of the phone and I was beside myself saying, I I can't believe I didn't know I had to do this. I'm so sorry. I feel so stupid. And she, she actually kind of held my hand through it. She said, don't worry. And the, the license I think takes about 28 days to get. And she got it for me in 24 hours. Oh Um, my goodness. Yeah. So I've just been very lucky. People have been helpful because I, you know, I think a little bit of self-deprecation goes a long way too. I, I explained my situation to her and she wanted to help. Yeah. And that makes a lot of difference when there's, there's a group of people around you, you know, who, who want to help. And I think a lot of that is with you giving, you wanting to help others in this yeah. business. I think a lot of that comes back to comes you. Back. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, but people in general, especially in America, people want to see other people succeed. I'm sure of it because this is the land of the great American dream. It's true. You know, if you put enough work and and a little bit of luck and a little bit of capital yes. into something, you can generally do okay here. It is the, the great American dream to start your own business and be successful. So other people want you to succeed because if you succeed, it really means they can succeed. Yes, absolutely. Now, do you have a showroom in New York, in Brooklyn? 
in in the Brooklyn Navy Yard, yes. So you have your manufacturer is there and your and my show, yeah. Do you know what I love? I love when people come into our factory and I show them around. I show them. Look, there's so many things that go into making a bag, like skiving the leather or the edge painting, and you know, putting the board onto the base of a bag. And for for me to get the board thickness right on the weekend, for example, I used three different. Um, plies of German board because I couldn't find one board that I that had enough movability for me. So th- little things like that, and with edge painting, once you on a on the edge of the leather, for example, on the strap, mm-hmm. you prime it first, then you paint it twice. You put it on a machine that that like a conveyor belt that takes it through this machine and dries it, and then you you pick it up and you do it again. So it's very hands-on and and very labor-intensive, actually. But I love people coming into the factory to actually see how they're made. And it's very interesting. When When you see how it's made, you then understand the difference between something that's made cheaply or something that's made using luxury materials. Right. I mm. I just want to rewind just a moment yes. because yes. I think a lot of our listeners may not know exactly what those terms were. I know that I don't. So, I want you to oh, I want you to No, 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 no. This is a great yes. learning opportunity for me yes. and I'm sure my listeners as well. So tell us did you say scribing? What did you say? Sky, skiving. Skiving. Skiving, yeah. edge painting, and borders. Okay. Talk to us about those things. So skiving leather is all leather comes in a different thickness. Um, and, for example, when you – I guess you could think about it like pastry. If you're making an apple pie, for example, mm-hmm. and you get the pastry and it's thick in the middle but on the round of the pie dish you push it down with a fork so that it's thinner on the edge right well with leather the same thing happens if you're folding an edge that you have to then sew the way that edge is sewable you don't want it to be a bulky edge so you skive the end of it so that it's thinner where you it's hard to explain and describe but it's thinner where it meets yes and then you stitch it so that you've got an even even i guess i'm looking at it right now while i'm talking to you an even Uh, seam yes an even seam so if you actually took the bag apart you'd see that the thickness of the leather in the middle is not the thickness of the part where you join it together because you want it to join seamlessly, like yes. in a flat way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the edge painting, that is, that's something I'm really particular about. I like my edge paint to match my leather. So I oh. often uh, often will make a, I'm so sorry, Melissa, my dog is boxing. It's Quincy. He's a part of the team. So, you know. <laughs> He yeah, came to work. He showed up today. So <laughs> I wish he could help me with podcasts. I really right. do. <laughs> um, so with edge painting, a lot of manufacturers will just on they'll they'll contrast the paint. Um, so it doesn't matter what color the paint is; it's contrasting with the leather. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do that. I like to match it, color match it, which is much more difficult because it means you're you're having to 
mix different paints together to get the exactly the right shade for your leather. This, is that something that you help the artisans do to get the right color that you want? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, we often will test a few different shades and then I'll say like, we've got to, we've got to put this color with this color and make it a bit, and we get it right together, but we know we do it together. I'm very, I'm quite particular about that. It's a little bit of my, um, perfectionism coming out there. (laughs) But that adds to the value of the bag because it's very personal. Right. Right. And the edge painting is something that you do. If you have a look, if anyone has a look at their handbags, the very edge of where the bag is cut, what an, a raw edge of a leather piece um, looks a bit like suede, I guess. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they, they use a machine that buffs it and then they use a coating of something that's a primer And what the primer does is help the edge paint to sit nicely onto the edge and not crack. Mm. And then you do a couple of coats of um, the same edge paint. And then it's all about how you dry it. I have to tell you, the Italians, my manufacturer is fantastic at this, but the Italians have been doing it for centuries and they're just masters of edge painting. Some people do it by hand. My my girl does it by hand. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. That is but, amazing. But it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really lovely, lovely fine art. And what about the uh, boards? So that is something that I learned actually doing this. I didn't realize. I do know that, that to get the thickness and a handbag that, that sits up straight on the bottom, because leather is soft, but the way they achieve that um, durability to stand up is by putting what they do is between the pieces of leather they put a board mm. and it's like anything you can get cheap board or you can get um expensive board and of course when i was deciding which one i wanted to use the only one i liked really it's called bonded leather mm-hmm. and it's like what they do is they use off cuts of leather scraps that they kind of gel together and it's what they use for book binding and various other um, usages. And the Germans do beautiful bonded leather, and that's what we put in the base of our weekender. But I couldn't find one that was durable and pliable but still sturdy. So we used actually three different thicknesses that created the one pliable thickness. So um, there you go. There's a, if you were to buy one of my weekenders and take it apart you'd uh all that yeah not taking it apart but <laughs> <laughs> the same with I when would... i when i made the bags i kind of believe if you make a recipe uh-huh. it just always tastes better if you use the very best ingredients absolutely for absolutely. me making a bag if you use the very best leather the best stitching the best thread the best hardware it's just it's just superior This is so fascinating. (laughs) Everything that you do is so fascinating to me. And just as soon as it is safe to come to New York, Lisa, I am coming to visit, visit your, uh, your studio. And I I just want, I just want to be 
in the place. I just want to be in the building. <laughs> to see you know, how you everything will, You works will love and... it. You will just love it. Our factory is filled with machines and some some are state-of-the-art modern and some are 100 years old. Yes. And I can talk you through what they all do. It's it's great. I love being in there, actually. I love being surrounded by by artisans. I know that you started out, you said that you worked um, basically around the clock except for sleeping. Now, <laughs> as time has passed, do you still put that same amount of time in or has your team grown to a point where you can offload some of those responsibilities? Absolutely. Look, I don't have to work um, quite as much as I was when I was establishing the startup. But the timing is interesting because Italy, which is where I, I have a factory as well that makes our bags, um, is ahead. So I always need to get up early in the morning if I need to speak to my Italian manufacturers. Um, so I do find that I I am getting up super early and I'm always up answering emails late at night. I'm super hands-on. I just try to do it all. So. Um, I don't have to work quite as hard as in the beginning, though. Now, are you bilingual? Uh, I speak enough Italian to get my message across, but there it's you. very, very rudimentary. I gotcha. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually studying Italian right now. I've been studying for about a year, so oh, fantastic! We could probably have just a very basic conversation. <laughs> Like, hello, how are you? I'm great. Okay, <laughs> Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> Some oh, things okay. like that. So I just, I feel like this is going to be um, just a working relationship that may go beyond podcasting. I hope that it does. I hope so. I would love you to come and come and have a look. I mean, you have such an interest in fashion. I would love you to come and see what we do. There's quite a lot of different manufacturers and fashion people in um, the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Well, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. I when? will be there. I will okay. be there, definitely. Right. It's a date. It's a date. <laughs> yes, it is a date. Just look, don't pencil me in, pen me in. Yep. <laughs> Okay. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show today. I have enjoyed our time together. Thank you for uh, just sharing everything that you've shared, your experiences. And before we get off, tell our listeners how they can support Canvas and Hyde. Look, I'm, um, I'm on Instagram as Canvas and Hyde Handbags and online www.canvasandhyde.com. Dot com. And Hyde is spelt with an H-Y-D-E instead of H-I-D-E. So if you are out there and you want to see some fabulous luxury bags, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, you just need to go and click. Don't just look, though. You need to shop and you need to buy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Well, thank I you. Think, I think shopping... Um, I think shopping local and supporting small business is just a wonderful thing to do, certainly after this pandemic. I think that small businesses are really suffering. Mm -hmm. I think they're suffering for a multitude of reasons. And I, I'm just hoping that the government is able to save as many small businesses as possible because they're the backbone of America, I feel. Yes, always have been. 
you know? Yeah. But just like any other time in American history, whether it was, you know, the Great Depression or Mm -hmm. after the wars or any time the American economy has rebounded. It may not have been the same as it was before, but it has rebounded. And a lot of that is because of people like you who keep hope alive, who continue to put their passion in the form of products that people can love, they can be appreciative of. And so thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. I, I do, Melissa, sometimes I... I feel a little guilty that, you know, I see all these incredible healthcare workers and people on the front lines, the police, the ambulance drivers, the the grocery store workers, all the people that are getting up every day. And then I feel a little guilty that I make handbags, luxury handbags. And then to hear that makes me feel very happy because I'm passionate about what I do. Yes. And I hope it brings joy to some people. I know that it does because art creativity, Mm -hmm. being Mm -hmm. able to see beauty in the world Mm -hmm. uh, is a very intricate part of the human experience. Just, just as much as it is saving lives, a lot of times art and beauty can be a lifesaver to someone who just needs to be encouraged, just needs to be lifted up, you know? So I'm a firm believer in that. I do not apologize for being in the field of fashion. I say that this is my art. This is my artistry. I love doing what I do. And so I'm just Mm -hmm. happy that we're colleagues, that we're in this thing together and we're adding beauty to the world. So we are. Yes. Yes. Each in our own way. And it comes from the heart. It comes from the soul. And so if you're out there and you are, you know, not sure if what you're doing is important, I'm going to tell you, Lisa and I are saying that it is. And you just (laughs) need to follow your dreams. You need to follow your passion. And allow others to enjoy the fruit of your labor. And guess what? Then you will in turn receive that same joy. So Lisa, beautifully said, beautifully, beautifully said. Thank you so much. And again, thank you for being on the show with us today. And I look forward to seeing you in New York just as soon as I can to be continued. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll talk to you again. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much, Melissa. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Did you enjoy today's episode and want to find out more about fashion resources that can help your brand or business? If so, join our mailing list at www.fashionalumni.com to get the latest updates. Also, if you're a fashion business owner and need your own custom website like fashionalumni.com, contact our personal web designer at www.emmanuelbiz.com. Until next time, be intentionally and authentically you.